Hey everybody, welcome back to the Archery World podcast. I'm Joe from Archery World. Henry with Archery World as well. And today we're going to go over uh, a very detailed setup of an outdoor archery um, tournament setup. So uh, we're going to start exactly with what Henry's using and we're going to go over it step by step on what he does and did to his outdoor bow to get it ready. So I'm shooting the Citation 36 currently. I'm gonna. I, I I was starting out with the 34 and didn't quite have enough time to get it going before writing. So I ended up switching literally Wednesday and we started shooting on Thursday. Um, so all I did was kind of do kind of a basic setup, put the rest on there, put a D loop, pop my peep in, did all that, and then I started shooting marks. Um, went. When I typically shoot marks for a tournament, I shoot a 20, an 80, and a 100. Uh, I feel like the farther that you can accurately get those, the the farthest spread that you can accurately get those marks, the more accurate of a tape you're going to have. And so a lot of guys that are doing like 20 to 40, 20 to 50, I, I feel like you don't quite get those accurate long range marks. Um, but as far as like what my overall setup looked like it was pretty standard for me uh i ran the excel av31 housing four power scope uh 0.10 green fiber uh aae freak show rest with a eight thousandths blade i was running the the black eagle uh x impact 350s with 140 grain point uh pin you know pin knocks with the easton g pins on them uh i just switched the gas strings this year so i had a set of their ghost xv strings on that particular bow and then my 75 cent bargain bin jim fletcher peeps that i shoot on most of my bows all right and so what you, let's go back to the very beginning of what you started talking about on siding in. So you you hit marks at 20, 80, and 100. Uh, obviously, as you move the sight down the the rail, the your anchor point will change a little bit. So just like everyone else, um, how do you get that set so that your peep is in the right spot so that you're not floating too far off your anchor um do you use a kisser or a nose button or anything like that what do you so, do there so i use a kisser button and then the other thing that i'll do is i mean i've been shooting a while and i kind of kind of know what sight tapes i'm going to have on my bow and things like that once i typically get a 20 i'll guess about where 50 yards is on my sight tape or you know on my on my bow and I set my peep at roughly 50 yards. Now, whether it ends up being exactly 50 or not, then that's one thing. But I get it roughly 50 yards. Um, I've got a pretty shallow anchor point, And so my peep's not real high anyways. And so if I go any farther than that, like I, I would like to honestly set my peep at 60 for reading. Just because that's where the, I mean, that's kind of the median of the average shot in reading is 60 yards right and so i i would like to be able to do that but i just know that if i do then i won't be able to ever reach 100 yards so um i i typically recommend setting it at about 50 because most people anything past that too then you start cutting into the overall yardage that you get out of that bow so 
to go into a little bit of detail about that, since um, we have the shop and we see this all the time, what he's talking about is is the height of the peep. So when a customer comes in and they get a bow set up, whether it's, uh, it doesn't matter what it is. It could be a V331 from Matthews, or it could be a Hoyt um, RX5 Ultra. It doesn't matter the bow. A person draws the bow back when they first get it. They make sure that everything feels comfortable and they put whatever sight they want. And on the West Coast, we sell a lot of mover sights even on the, uh, for hunting. So we sell a ton of the, the spot hogs. We sell a ton of the black golts. We sell CBEs and all of these are the majority of the sites we sell are mover sites now, whether it's a single pin, a double pin, a three pin or a five pin head, it's on a mover body. So that body moves up and down uh, a rail vertically and setting your peep at a certain distance helps you get all the movement that you need from uh, minimize movement from your anchor point in your head and allows you to be able to see your site clearly and keep the housing sec uh, securely centered in the middle of the peep and uh, be able to take a, a cleaner shot at any distance so at 20 if you set it there specifically, which on an indoor range and pro shops, that's what you have to do. We usually barrel tie that peep in. And what that allows you to do is go out to distance and we'll usually tell our customers, hey, when you get this set at 50 or 60 yards, just like you're talking about, make sure the peep is still centered in the middle. Um, fudge it around a little bit, manipulate it until it's right where you can see everything at 20, 50, a hundred it doesn't matter that you're not coming off your anchor point too far and then it'll allow you us to tie that peep in permanently for you at that distance or at that peep height so that's that's critical for starting otherwise you're doing it two or three times sometimes if you set your peep too low in a shop <clears throat> you have a really good tight anchor point but then you can't get the distance that you need out of the bow so if you're trying to shoot a competition that might require a hundred yard shot you can't get the distance out of it and a lot of times people think it's the arrow or the air um, the arrow weight or the rest isn't set up right when it's really just a small adjustment on the p pipe as long as you can get used to that anchor this is where thumb buttons come in and hinges come in because they allow you to anchor uh, in a better spot to accomplish those things right yeah so when you're shooting a uh, index trigger you're typically anchoring underneath your ear in that soft spot right behind your jawbone with a handheld release you're typically anchoring on your jawbone so it gives you about an average of an inch more on your peep height and what we notice is when people set up their command release let's call them the the wrist strap release that you fire with your index finger when people set those up they usually uh, want to experiment with a thumb button or a hinge at some point because they know it helps them uh, or will help them long term they usually find that their anchor point is way off with a thumb button so what we recommend if you're going to shoot both or go back and forth is you set that bow up for a thumb button make sure it's underneath your jawline make sure that your peep height is is um, a, a decent peep height to get all the distance that you need but it's still a solid anchor point and then you can switch over to your index trigger again and they'll both work at that point but if you set it up primarily for your index finger 
it's harder to get the thumb button to be in the right spot. It seems extremely low if you do it that way. And since most people have a index trigger that they hunt with, at least here on the West Coast, it usually gets set up backwards and then they have to reset it when they go to a thumb button. Is, is that what you notice too? Yeah. Yep. I've noticed that quite a bit in the shop. So, all right. So that covers that. We can go into sites and, and uh, the details and the geometry of that a little bit later. Let's go into the rest again. I know there's a specific way you like to set up your rest so that you get the maximum clearance and why you set it up the way you do for that freak show with the 8,000s blade um, with your arrow. And I know you're going to experiment with carnivores, the bigger diameter shafts, yep. and the X impacts compared to that. So what will you do different so that you don't have to spend hours changing the tune to tell what arrow that you're going to shoot? So I've noticed that tune doesn't change a whole lot between different arrows. The only thing is, is you, you are kind of compensating for that. Uh, diameter a little bit but you're talking so it's so minuscule that I'll be able to run back and forth and run both of them through the paces without actually having to change a whole lot on the rest and and still be able to get a good feeling of whether I'm going to run that particular arrow or not um, as far as rest setup I've kind of got a blanket area of where I set it up I always put the the teeth of the the lizard tongue at the back of the riser um no rhyme or reason i don't torque tune so it's not like that's kind of a money spot that i found it's just i i typically run my arrows pretty short like i cut them to about the burger hole and so it just it gives me you know a quarter inch of arrow before i'm on the point on on like the actual blade rest um i do run an eight valve pretty much for everything uh I ran kind of an experiment on it a couple of, well, about eight years ago and just found that for me, I feel like the 8,000 is just a lot more forgiving blade. Uh, the blade is kind of like a suspension system on a car. You don't want something too stiff because you're going to bounce all over the place. You don't want something too weak for your particular setup or else it's going to do the exact same thing. It's going to bounce all over the place. So you got to kind of find like that happy medium of why you 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 know but you're really not going to know until you're shooting groups at like 50 yards and you put a eight thou on and a ten thou and you just kind of see what groups better for you so the angle that that blade is and the location inside of the little screw hole called the burger button is important so on the where your rest screws on that hole that threaded hole is called a burger button so that's kind of how the bows are designed around that particular spot uh, so there's about a one inch space an imaginary space in the middle of that button that uh, the bow manufacturers really try to focus on to get the tune right and so depending on if a person shoots high wrist low wrist um, and the geometry of that particular bow depends on where that's going to shoot best for you so on your citation, are where do you start? Let's talk about the bottom of the shaft. No matter if it's the X-Impact or a Carnivore, where does the bottom of the shaft go for you through that button? So right now, I believe I've got the bottom of the shaft through the center of the burger hole. 
So that means it's running slightly high in the burger button. So that means, uh, and the advantage for you doing that, and I, under, I know why, is because with the X impact, if you run the bottom of the shaft through the burger button, if you go to a carnivore, which is a bigger diameter, that just allows you to lay the blade down a little bit and still stay within the parameters of that burger button. So the bottom of the shaft might be towards the bottom third of that hole and still have a level shooting arrow. Right. The only thing I don't like about where I'm running my uh, blade right now, and it's a common problem that I've ran into in the past, is the higher up you get through that burger hole, the more bubble sensitive your bow is. Mm -hmm. The closer you get to your hand without hitting riser shelf the more forgiving your setup's typically going to be with that bubble and the less effect that your bubble actually has so i i like mine up a little like when i was shooting feta and i used my bubble for wind i would set mine up a little bit higher just so that i had a little bit more and i didn't have to aim off as far or i didn't have to bubble as far and you see that you understand uh, why you do that is because if that in the bows that you've had in the past, if that hole is the center of the bow, the higher you go above it, the more sensitive that if you lean the bow one degree, the more that affects the bubble. If it's right in the middle of the hole, that gives you a little, uh, you can lean it and it won't be affected as much. So there's goods and bads about both of those. Um, if you run it too low in the button, it starts to run into knuckle contact because your hand flares up above the shelf a lot of times when you hold the bow. And it also robs some of the distance that you can shoot out of the bow. So some people that are having a hard time getting the distance out of the bow and they can't run their peep up any higher, they kind of become forced to run their bubble, uh, their shaft up a little higher in the burger button too. Somebody with your draw link doesn't have to worry about that as much, but it does happen. So, uh, but it makes the bow tuned torque wise slightly differently right yep so well there's a lot more to to know about that but that's a good starting point for when people are trying to set up their stuff uh and they don't have a ton of experience it's a good way to to start with some kind of happy spot that you can work from from that point now as far as uh the citation um right and left where do you set up that rest for the the center shot of it so I know everybody tries to work off of a magic center shot number. I honestly will just eyeball it down the center of the grip. And that's kind of where I found that the PSE shoot the best because some of them have offset risers. Some of them have offset grips from the riser. Like, for instance, the shoot down. If you look at a shoot down down the center of the riser, you're going to notice that the grip is farther to the left. Well, if you try to line that string up down the center of the riser, you're going to get a left tear and it doesn't mean that your arrows are weak it's just because the grip is offset so if you move that rest to where you're lining up down the center of the grip now you will get a lot better tear and so typically I'll, I'll look and see where where things are ideally I like to line up down the center of the riser because you're running your string down a farther contact point and so it's easier to get your center shot based off of that but i do like on, on most of the pses i do just run it down the center of the grip as best as i can so this is another way that you can do a little bit of torque tuning pro at, during the, the beginning of your setup too is is 
most people think that the string runs perfectly straight up and down with the riser, but it on most bows, especially today's bows, they do not. So if you look at the bottom cam and the top cam to us, you can't hardly tell, but there is a slight angle to that string compared to the riser. So the crossover, where that crosses over from the left to the right is at the burger button or at the grip, somewhere in that same parameter. So we're playing with another axis on the uh, movement of the, the arrow or the back of the arrow when you shoot. So if you run your knock set too high above the burger button, you're also running that arrow further to the right or to the left depending on the bow than you would if it was in a neutral spot like right in the middle of the burger button so you have to consider as you're setting up the height for the arrow let being level you're also considering where it is horizontally at the back as, as well uh, so if that spot for you works great for your torque and your tune but for the next person, they may have to move it. And we're not talking about inches here, guys. We're talking about you might have to move it a sixteenth or an eighth of an inch up or down in that burger button hole to create a really forgiving setup by the way that you grip the bow and by the cable guard and the ro uh, or roller guard, whatever it has on there, reacts to your shot. Right. And it's like I've said previously, you know, a lot of this stuff's just primarily trial and error. I didn't get to where I'm at without a little bit of trial and error. And I, by little bit, I mean like years and years of trial and error. I, I've been fortunate to have, you know, guys like Tim Gillingham and, and Levi Morgan and those guys to work off of and, and bounce ideas back and forth. And, you know, that kind of really jumpstart my career and, and make it to where I didn't have to trial and error some as, as much as some of these other people. But, you know... You, you also have to have that ability to be honest with yourself and tell you whether something's working or not. And, you know, you, you just have to have a little trust in your shot, knowing that you're making a good shot and that that arrow should have hit behind the pin. And if it didn't, then that's when you got to start making subtle changes to figure out how do you get that bow to hit behind your pin. Now, you know, that that's one thing where, like, if the level's playing a factor, we'll drop your arrow through the burger hole a little bit, and it'll make it a little bit less sensitive. If you feel like that you have to be lined up so dead perfect in order to hit, then that's when you would drop that arrow. Uh, kind of the same thing with, when you're kind of group tuning a bow or doing any of that stuff. You know, don't spend any more shots than what you have to to figure things out. If you know it's not right and you feel like something's not right, Sometimes it may not be yourself. Sometimes it may be just a combination of you not fitting with the equipment, and that's where you got to make changes on some of that stuff. Yeah, for sure. And then what a lot of people don't get is, is and I'm hoping that these, these podcasts help, is you can make a bow shoot a bullet hole in 20 different configurations, especially when you get into you know higher-end bows to begin with. It's a lot easier to accomplish the task, although some can be a bear. You know, just That's just the way it is. But you can make a bow shoot a bullet hole in three different spots as far as level in the burger button. That, now, that doesn't mean that you're just ru raising or lowering the rest. I'm talking about if you decide to run low in the burger button and that that knock set and the D loop is level at that point, or you run really high in the burger button, that bow will typically shoot a bullet hole. Um, and you have, you can shim the cams right and left to adjust for the, uh, the horizontal setting for the back of the knock. There's horizontal movement in the back of the, 
the arrow that the companies really try to minimize. And the companies that get it right, there's very little horizontal movement or the, the setup can be so big that you can make sure that no matter where you set up in the burger button as far as vertically, that the horizontal movement is very minimal. And then they can still shim cams. Like I know um, the top hat system from Matthews, I'm very familiar with that. It's 175 thousandths worth of washers. They're called top hats. They're, they're metal washers that insert into the limbs, but the washer creates a space. So there's different configurations of that where you can make the cam move right or left uh, and still be secure in the, the limb pocket or the limb at the tips. Um, Hoyt has a new shim kit with their whole new uh, cam system that they've done that the same thing as well, but it's a plastic shim kit or a, a Delrin shim kit that'll allow you to move the cam to a new position. That's why we, we know that the strings don't run perfectly straight up and down with the, the riser to shoot well. Um, even if it came from the factory that way, if you shim it to one direction or the other for what you need, you've just moved that center line that goes perpendicular to the riser out of center. Uh, your citation, what, have you had to shim the limbs on it? Uh, yeah, so just recently I started playing since I got back from Reading, just trying to... I shot a pretty forgiving setup there. I just wasn't in the best shooting shape, nor was I paying attention. But I just got home and, you know, kind of got a little curious because I did set up that bow Wednesday and didn't have a whole lot of time. So I was playing around with it, and I did just shim some cams, trying to get a little bit better arrow flight. Um... Not that arrow flight really creates forgiveness in a setup because if a bow's going to shoot, it's going to shoot. And, uh, but I just wanted to clean it up just a little bit and, uh, just play around with a couple different things. I just got some new stabilizer bars, so I've been playing with those. Um, you know, th this year, more than I have ever, just recently, I've been playing around with lengths, uh, going be between like a, 15 inch sidebar 12 inch sidebar a 31 inch front bar 33 inch front bar uh you know just kind of i don't know figuring things out i don't i don't shoot as much as i used to so when i do i, I just want to have everything be a little bit more fine detailed than what it was when i was shooting all the time and you know just dealing with that kind of stuff so right well and i want to go back to something that you just said um, you're, you're saying if the bow's going to shoot, it's going to shoot. And so what you're saying and what we're talking about, all these small little details, it's not going to make the bow uh, at 60 yards go from a one-foot group, if that's what your issue is, down to a two-inch group at 60 yards by shimming your cams. No, <laughs> so, no you're literally talking taking that two-inch group down to like an inch-and-a-half group, right? Yeah, you're at, not, at that distance. So yeah. we're talking about very, very small things, and that's what some people get confused at. They come in and go, hey uh, – uh, I can't get my bow to shoot. Can you shim the cams or can you move the cams over? And we start talking about what a person's capability is. And, and if they've got a bow that's shooting an 8 or 10-inch group at 60 yards, shimming the cams is only going to maybe move uh, uh, three-quarters of an inch total off of that at 60 yards. It's not going to change the world. It's just going to fine-tune it a little bit. Right. Where it may change the world a little bit is with broadheads, just because some of those broadheads, especially cheaper ones, can be a bear to get to shoot and so you do have to have your bow kind of set up perfect for you to shoot some of them but for a target setup you're literally talking you're trying to shave half inch 
off of your group size. And once you shave that half inch off, now your margin of error just increased. So if I can take, you know, if let's say my, my group at 60 yards is two inches and I can get it down to an inch and a half, well, how many more points would I get by shaving that half inch off? And how much more margin of error did I just increase my area by? If I'm shooting a three inch dot and I'm shooting inch and a half groups, now I got an inch and a half that I've got to play with to make a bad shot or do something because nobody shoots perfect. And then when I'm shooting tight, then they're just all in the middle. So you're just trying to increase your margin of error is all you're trying to do when you're playing with some of that stuff. Right. Well, and then I guess this is a good stopping point. So we'll go into part two uh, next podcast, and this is going to be continuing with the outdoor setup. And it'll be um, important to go over the sight and the, the torque uh, tuning or at least the, the setup or the sight radius and things like that to finish it out and then release options and what you do in different types of uh, shoots for outside. But uh, hopefully this will have covered some of the rest configuration setup, some of the uh, horizontal considerations for the back of the arrow as far as where how high you tune it in the burger button and then the cam position as far as the right and left position in the limb itself so uh, stay tuned for the next episode of the podcast and we're glad you guys are listening to us and we hope that this helps henry you got anything left uh no but thanks for joining us guys you can check us at archeryworld.net or the archery or archery world pro shop on instagram uh if you got any questions or concerns or or something that you guys want to hear go on ahead and shoot us a message um and we'll try to get that covered for you guys. Thank you.